I'm Bryn. I'm Chris. And I'm Ellis. And this is PH Drunk. PH Drunk is our fortnightly podcast where we drink to excess and discuss classic works of literature. By classic, we mean whatever the fuck we want. In today's episode, we are discussing Phantomina by Eliza Haywood. This is Bryn's pick. So Bryn, why don't you tell us about how much sex and scandal we can expect? Um, well, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I always ship sex and scandal. Um, Phantomina uh, does not disappoint. It was published in 1725. Eliza Haywood, who we'll talk about more in just a minute, is a member of a group of women that we have collectively nicknamed the fair triumvirate of wit. Um, the three women that make that up are Afra Ben, Eliza Haywood, and Daily Rivia Manley. Um, Afra Ben's the first woman we know about who earned a living through her writing. Um, and they were all kind of writing sort of around the same time. Um, this book, Phantomina, is only 30 pages in the Broadview edition that we're using. That's beautiful and has a delightful, sexy cover. Um, Shout out to Broadview. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. I would call this one a novella. It's only 30 pages, but it's it's not a short story. It's got some of the things that are later in novels. So I'd call it a novella or like novel light. Or if you're feeling very French and sexy, you could call it like a petite novelle. I like it. I like petite novelle. We should call <laughs> things that more often. I would like it. someone. I would like someone to call me a petite novelle. <laughs> I'll call you a petite novelle. Petite novelle. <laughs> I'm making <laughs> notes, girl. I'm making notes right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ellis. Next time when we're not in quarantine, bitch, you just wait. <laughs> call petite, me a petite novelle. Petite oh. novelle. <laughs> Ooh, ooh la la. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ellis, what are we drinking that has us so giggly? So today's totally made-up cocktail. We uh, are calling a Lover's Haze, which is a name that you guys actually voted on on our socials tonight. And I'm happy it won because it was secretly the one that I like the best. So It was secretly the one I like the best. <laughs> oh my same. god, we're the same person. Um, okay, yay us. Um, but also, like, you know, we're still a democracy, so we let you guys have some Are we things. a democracy, though? I mean... I feel like we're more of a benevolent dictatorship. There you go. We'll, That's we'll, we'll yes. just, we'll just... A triumvirate of dictatorship. We won't actually know until we disagree with our readers, so we'll see. <laughs> which is Which is never... Never. We'll never disagree with you. You guys are all treasures. Don't stop listening to us. Yes, Please. it's true. Please. Not only not only did you guys pick the name of our cocktail, but you also recommended that we read this, right? Yes. So... Oh my god, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Actually, let's shout out to Tita Chico at Tita Chico One on Twitter. We asked about a couple weeks ago. We asked if there were any books that you guys wanted us to read, and Haywood got a lot of votes. Um, Fantamina was Tita Chica's specific pick, and uh, we were so excited because Eliza Haywood is actually one of Bryn's favorite authors, yeah. and she was already going to be on the docket, but then we moved her we up. Just, we yeah. moved Fantamina up. She would appreciate a good bump up the list. Oh, God, I, feel like, I feel like Eliza Haywood would um, absolutely appreciate a good bump. She would. She would. If you know what I mean. <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, so you want to tell us what's in the Lover's Haze? Okay, right. So, Lover's Haze. (laughs) Jesus. 
Whew, it's hard to stay on track because I got a, I a lot of lovers haze. We've had okay. a lot of brandy, okay. Are you feeding are you feeding a little lovers I'm haze? I'm feeling hazy, girl. Okay, because I had to like test out proportions. Obviously. Obviously. And then yeah. I was like, oh, I should probably drink more of it. And then I did. Okay, so um you're going to muddle like a couple of slices of lemon and um two or three blackberries, because why not? Um, you will then, and this should be in a shaker, then you'll put ice, two shots of brandy, and then about a third of a cup of Earl Grey tea, which I recommend brewing ahead of time and chilling because you don't want hot, you don't want hot tea in this. Uh, so you shake, you strain, garnish with a lemon peel and a blackberry, and it is fucking delicious. You guys, just do it. Just do it. Just get hazy with me. I... I am so here for the haze, y'all. This mm-hmm. is like my umpteenth uh, lover's haze, mm-hmm. and it is like mm, it's all the good. Listen, things. and much, I have two much... things to add. Oh. One is that oh. I super love brandy and the brandy kick we're on. Yeah, girl. Um, and number two is that I strongly disagree. I like my tea scalding. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> In all other ways, yes. But for this one drink, though. <laughs> um, but I will say that much like our beloved Fantamina, you can play with proportions and even alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Just switch it up. You can switch it up as much as you want. Um, for those of you who haven't had Earl Grey in a cocktail before, uh, it's really good. So do it. And also it's really good with like bourbon. So you could do that if you don't have brandy on hand. Brandy's fucking delicious. So just do the it brandy. Just do the brandy. Speaking of scalding tea, yes. should we get into our brand new segment 1A? Athora tea. <laughs> T-E-A-T. That's T E A. Yes. Thank you. Where? Bryn's going to tell us a little bit about Eliza Haywood. I got so much information. Eliza Haywood is basically the most great. Um, She was born (laughs) Eliza Fowler. Most great is long form for greatest, in case anyone didn't know. (laughs) I was like, I got two things about that. (laughs) I I needed the long form because she is not only the greatest, she is the most great also. And she writes some long form motherfucking sentences. (laughs) She she is the most goat. I do. I know. Fucking Chris, comma. I know. I immediately thought of you while reading it. I was like, all these motherfucking commas are going to be. God, I, these are some Chris sentences see, if I ever did see. Do you know what I love? I love a fucking dependent clause. <laughs> oh my God. So, so many good. of them. <laughs> oh, clauses on clauses on clauses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> We're all taking notes for when we see Chris next. Mm-hmm. In person, mm-hmm. not in quarantine. You mean our petite novel? <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. Our petite novel. Take your dependent clothes and shove it wherever it gives you the most pleasure. You were like French and Russian all at the same time. I do not every time I try to do a fucking accent. I don't know. French and Franco Russian. <laughs> Oh, we've got a lot of brandy. Oh. Team, the brandy is making us distracted. Okay, 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 okay. Go back to Eliza Haywood. So tell us, 
<laughs> tell us more about Eliza Haywood. Okay, she's born Eliza Fowler. She was an actress, publisher, and writer in the early part of the 18th century. So if you're thinking Jane Austen, just deduct like a hundred years. Yes. Um, we don't know when she was born. We can't actually find which Fowler she's related to. We're pretty sure she was born in the 1690s. She was likely married to someone with the last name Haywood, which is how she got it. Um, but we haven't found any records to corroborate the story. But I, either way it happens, she shows up in Dublin as Miss Haywood as an oh. actress. And oh, you got um, me. Oh, we like I it. I know. Being an actress in the 18th century is fairly... Scandal. It's like a, it's like a type. It's like a, a big mood. Um, it's, it's a big, it's a big mood. mood. She's a fairly scandalous lady. Um, however it happened, she ended up back in London. Um, she somehow or other left her husband. She took up with a couple of people. There's a rumor she had a kid with Richard Savage. She took up with another, I think, William Hatchett. Um, anyway. I got a question. I got a question. Yes. When you say she took up with a couple of people, do you mean that she took up with a couple of people like one person and then another person or a couple of people at the same time? Oh no, uh, serial monogamy and um, kids in some um, of those relationships. Sorry to Ooh, sorry to disappoint yeah. Chris. I know. I'm <laughs> she sorry. She was really into that whole threesome thing. <laughs> monogamy is a trap. She was so ready. Chris was so ready for this to be more scandalous. Um, but personal life aside, I have to tell you, I think Eliza Haywood's amazing because she basically invented the novel. Now, I realize that there are lots of people out there that are gasping, kind of like Chris and Elsa right now. Um, but I was gasping in just, you know, like excitement yeah. and anticipation. So, yes, tell us fun more. fact, Love in Excess, a novel, a three-volume novel by Eliza Haywood, was published the same year as Robinson Crusoe. And there's this big scholar, if you're not in academia, then this part is for you. If you're in academia, then I don't know, you could just disagree with me on your own. But in the 70s, there's this big scholar named Ian Watt who comes along, 70s, 50s, 50s, 50s. Ian Watt comes along and says that like Robinson Crusoe is basically the first real English novel. And he only reads Gross. dudes Disgusting. and does not read any women. He does not include any women writers in his discovery of the novel. Um, it's not a discovery. That's, it's the history of the rise of the novel is what he's trying to write. Um, so, but Eliza Haywood publishes the three-volume novel the same exact year. And hers, I got to tell you, it's better. It's scandalous. It's funny. Um, there's a woman who dies in the, like, on the point of a sword in the dark. Um, there's, like, Oof, yeah, that's some sexy good. garden stuff. Like, it's, it's better um, than Robinson Crusoe with no chapters and all the capitalism. Like, just put Robinson Crusoe down. And read Eliza Haywood. Yes. So I'm just going to skip all the scholarship and tell you, by the authority vested in me by absolutely no one, because I'm still dissertating, Eliza Haywood and Afroben invented the novel. Listen, I am not an 18th centuryist, and I'm not a specialist, but I have read Robinson Crusoe several times, and I have read Afroben, and now I have read Haywood, and I have a few thoughts. One, Robinson Crusoe is barely a novel. Barely. Two, it's gross. <laughs> gross. Do not like. Go read something It makes else. you feel icky if you read um, it. Just stay away. I mean, if you are if you have to read Defoe, read Mothlanders. Yes. Yes, Otherwise, absolutely. If you want a, different, a better version of capitalism that is sexier, read Mothlanders. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the only thing I know about after... Robinson Crusoe is 
that Gabriel Betteridge in the Moonstone by Wilkie Collins <laughs> thinks it's his motherfucking Bible, and no one wants to be Gabriel fucking Betteridge. So okay, just but go actually, okay, but actually, people handed Robinson Crusoe. People handed Robinson Crusoe to basically every young man. You also get that vibe though that it was that thing that they all had to read because it's like. My guess, the only thing Gabriel Betteridge <laughs> ever read, and he just it. went with it, and he's like that guy that's like, I read this really prestigious book once, but he like <laughs> tries to play it like he always is like an avid reader, but it's like, no, he's read one oh my God. fucking book. I feel like Robinson Crusoe is like the, the British version of like, when a frat boy is like, have you read The Great Gatsby? Yes. Oh my yes. God, that's yes. so fucking accurate. Like Everybody's walking around up. saying, oh, have you read Robinson Eng- Crusoe? You're an English major. Can I buy you a drink? Have you read The Great Gatsby? And you're like, oh, oh my God. I'll take that drink. And then I'm quickly going to Peace find out. anyone else Peace to talk to. the fuck out. <laughs> like, Chris here. I was a Haywood virgin before this book. And I literally texted Bryn that Eliza Haywood might be the best author that I had never read before. Okay, y'all are going to shit yourselves when we get to Afro-Ben also. Listen, I've read Afro-Ben. But, but have you, though? Yes. Not just Orinoco. Not just Orinoco. Okay, fine. Don't call me out like that, okay? I'm not an 18th centuryist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to read some Afro-Ben shit, y'all. Okay. It's going to be so good. Alice is going to hate it. It's got no nine years of longing. None of this shit has gives me it's any got, well, longing. Okay. Oh, oh. The Afro-Ben I have in mind has like two years of longing. Before we get into segment 1B, I actually have been planning on asking Ellis this all day long. So there is a lot of sex and scandal in this book. How did it make you feel? In your feelings <laughs> on the inside. I would like to not ever talk about feelings. <laughs> no, no, no. Not like feelings, not like emotions. I mean, like, I were do. You like, I mean, emotions. Were you like, ick, gross? <laughs> or were you like, okay, sure, there's a lot of sex going on, but there's no explicit descriptions of sex? Okay, so here's, I'm like, it's good that you asked this because I was like thinking about that while I was reading because I wasn't like, oh my God, this is so sexual because there weren't a lot of. It wasn't like oh, like yes, it's obvious sex is happening, but it's not like in detail. Right, like, it's not that memoirs one that of y'all made me read yeah. in the beginning. It's not memoirs <laughs> of a um, woman of pleasure. I'm not even fucking naming it. Okay, so <laughs> I can't even say it aloud. <laughs> it's the Voldemort. You got to start life. out with a bang, um, you guys. You got to start <laughs> out with a good bang. And so does Fantomina, but like it's not as explicit. No, by, but by like, a long shot. um, so like I didn't, I didn't feel like oh my god, but I was just like. Uh, like all they do is have if sex. you don't give me like if you don't give me a fucking build up like i got nothing for you You're, like i got you i got you because this book it gets right to the point i mean it's 30 pages long it gets right to the point um, the same point over and point. over there's not a lot of build up and Mm-mm. maybe we should just like dive right into segment 1b which we have renamed all of our segments have new names except for like the last one no no they are yeah all but final grades all but final grades we've got new names we've been working on it we workshop this thing we didn't we spent with- like 15 minutes a day coming up with new names we weren't happy with the ones before but anyway segment 1b <laughs> while drinking while getting drunk <laughs> how is that different from copious, any other- how is that different from any other workshop we've ever done <laughs> never not, not at all different okay so segment 1b get lit review this is where we talk about the plot of the book 
in the it's like the first two sentences. There's a wealthy young lady. She's an actual lady. She's lady so and such, I think is what they call it. Uh, lady such a one. Um, but she's never actually named. She goes to the playhouse to see a, a play, obviously, and she sits in one of those <laughs> fancy box seats up, you know, like on the second or third row. And while she's where the rich people hang out. Yeah, where the rich people hang out. And while she's up there, she looks down and she sees all of the uh, the ladies of the night. She sees all the prostitutes down there, um, like flirting and getting all the attention um, in their seated section area. And she, she's she like sits there and contemplates for a minute, and then she thinks, "Wait a second, what would it be like though to get that kind of attention?" And she contrasts it with like the reserved attention that apparently her virtue inspires in the drawing room. So she has a genius idea. I love it. She decides mm-hmm. to see what it would be like to dress up as a, quote, woman who makes sale of her favors. So uh, <coughs> it's the most accurate and the most like positive description of a sex worker uh, who identifies as a woman that I've ever mm-hmm. heard. It's so nice. And it's fun. So but um, the, the woman sees it as like a like a frolic, like a fun joke. The next night she gets dressed up in a similar habit, she calls it, to the women that were down in this area. Um, and she decides to see what happens. The guy she actually likes and has been kind of flirting with, but she can't get to court her, is down there. And all of a sudden he's super into her. And so they start flirting and he tries to take her home. And she's like, mm, no, but maybe tomorrow. So then she does it again the next night just to see what happens. Hint, hint. And then, but at this point, she's already taken a separate like house to to take him to she doesn't go to his mm-hmm. place and or then, her place yeah yeah or her actual place she's she's taken a separate house um and then however you wish to read it they end up having sex and then she also creates like three other disguises and follows him around england having sex as four different women at various times in the novella um and it ends with a bang she she tries to like sleep with the same guy to keep his sexual attention but apparently he gets distracted easily and he needs a different woman every four to six weeks <laughs> and some of her women overlap like she'll still be pretending to be one woman and can tell he's losing interest in her yeah. because he's now in love with the other version of her and she has or, a like, different um, house for each with. one. She has a different house for each one. So like there's I one mean, house fucking writing for character number she writes three. Them letters and she's like, I took a different pen, like a different voice and wrote it's a different amazing. and all this. And I'm like, this bitch is fucking she's, smart. She's how a genius. old is she? Like how old do we think she is? Because I looked and it does not say. It does, it does not say. I would I guess know. like early 20s. Oh, bitch, really? If I had I... been this motherfucking smart in my early 20s. <laughs> I'm just saying I might be married to a millionaire. I, I mean, my like, husband, but also. I guess 18 or 19. <laughs> no. She's, I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't. That's what I was reading her as is like 18, 19. I feel like. Yeah. Maybe. Because she says really young. It's the reason I, the only reason I date her as older is because she's a wealthy woman. And so she wouldn't have had, she had like independent means. And so she wouldn't have had to marry I don't know. You get what but I'm saying? Her, like, her, yeah, but her aunt's still taking care of her and her mom. Like, I don't well, know. yeah, because she was still a woman. So they thought that because she was in marriage, she needed a chaperone. But I, I read her as like 21, 20, between 21 and 23, just because of the fact that she was like independently wealthy. Hmm. I don't, I don't I read her. I read her as younger. I read her as younger because of her like obsession 
the way she obsesses over Beau Plazier, which is the the one main dude through like the whole story, the way she obsesses over him very much speaks to like I don't I mean it sounds terrible to say, but like the emotional immaturity of it like a teenager, what like when you're first love, right? When yeah, you're like I mean I don't know if fixated. I was I don't know if I was much more emotionally mature at twenty three than I was at twenty three. My spouse is a treasure. Um, in fact, uh, he asked me this evening what book we were reviewing, and so I told him, um, and he was like, okay, well, what is it about? So I told him the plot, and he goes, oh, that do- that guy does not sound very observant. <laughs> Which I was, oh, I was like, that's the most succinct and accurate description of Blasier that I could think of. It's about a woman who almost outsmarts the fucking patriarchy and a man who, like most men, is not very observant. Or maybe she did no. outsmart it. We'll come to that at the ending. I, y'all, we got to go on to segment two, which we have now called, are you ready for it? Theme party. Theme party. Themes on themes on themes. <laughs> <laughs> the theme song has not gone anywhere. We got to keep that one. I'm sad that people cannot see your dance moves while doing it. It was good. Song. It was really I good. Dance moves, but um, I you're, you're welcome. It was beautiful. <laughs> and I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry that you have to remain anonymous because the world deserved to see Hey, that. one day when we're you know really famous like- podcasters, can we do a tour and people can see all of our theme dance moves? Um, absolutely. You I guys can <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. If you figure out, dear dear readers, if you figure out a way to get us a living wage off of this podcast shit, we will absolutely reveal our true identities. I would show you my boobs. Well, <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by any actual money. But if any actual but money would love to sponsor us. Listen. I will just say that right here, right now, you have three women who are more than willing to make sale of their favors <laughs> if the price is right. Lots of people work their way into Fantamina. Ha 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 ha. Um, bye. <laughs> Actually, only, only one, one person. person. I mean, lots of people discuss their way into the novella Fantamina by talking about consent and rape and sex. However, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. uh, Bonnets at Dawn has a podcast about um, consent. They interview an English faculty member. Um, and then uh, there's a podcast called Better Red Than Dead that has an episode about Fantamina. So I thought instead of talking about consent and uh, rape and her first sexual experience with Beau Plazier, because there are several, um, that we might talk about um, instead who is really in danger in the course of the novella. I love that. So if you want to talk about consent – which you should, because yes, everybody should. should talk about consent. Please go, please go listen to the Bonnets at Dawn and Better Than Dead episodes on consent. We're going to talk about danger, which is sort of related to consent, but not really. So, Brand, tell us, tell us. Your I would like to thoughts. propose that it is not the unnamed lady or Fantomina for shorthand uh, who is in danger. Although her first sexual experience, she is definitely the one in danger. For listener information, I am in agreement that Fantamina's first sexual experience is actually rape at the hands of Beau Plazier. However, I would like to discuss who is actually in danger over the course of the entire novella. And I would suggest that it is men in general who are in danger. 
Mm. For a specific reason. Are you ready? Mm. I have receipts. On page 57, mm-hmm. um, it says, she spends a whole paragraph on this, which means you know it's important because the entire story is only 30 pages. So to spend like more mm-hmm. than half a page and an entire thought out paragraph on it makes it super important. Um, Haywood writes, it may perhaps seem strange that Beau Plazier should in such near intimacies continue still deceived. I know there are men who will swear it is an impossibility and that no disguise could hinder them from knowing a woman they had once enjoyed. In answer to those scruples, I can only say that besides the alteration which the change of dress made in her, she was so admirably skilled in the art of feigning that she had feigning like um, faking things that she had the power of putting Mm -hmm. on almost what face she pleased and knew so exactly how to form her behavior to the character she represented that all the comedians at both playhouses are infinitely short of her performances. Okay, basically, this woman can trick this dude four successive times into sleeping with the same woman just by changing Mm -hmm. her facial expressions, her accent, and her clothes, and then later her letter-writing skills. She is so skilled in the art of pleasing a dude that he has no fucking clue what's happening to him. And I, <clears throat> I think the ability of I, women I, to, like, I... fool men in this really intricate way without them having any idea makes, perhaps, male readers feel vulnerable in a new way. I mean, mm. I can see what you're saying, and she's definitely skilled, and he's definitely an idiot. Definite idiot. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's ever in danger. Like, what is he in danger of? Getting his dick wet with the same vagina <laughs> over and over again? <laughs> like, what is the danger here? At the end of the day, he is still getting exactly what he wants, and he is not at risk of anything except, Impregnating like, a, lady. a repeat offender. Well, he says at the end that he, like... Um... Yeah, and that worked out so horribly for him. Like, he had, it doesn't, like, nothing comes back to him except he feels his ego. That's what is, I mean. His it's ego, ego is danger. I'll give you that. His ego is It's the 18th danger. century. It is the most it sensitive is. part of a man. <laughs> but if we're thinking, like, who is actually in danger, mm-hmm. I would argue, like, we, it's still, I'm going to keep calling her Fantamina, even though that's her first assumed yeah. name. But, like, it's, like, she's the only one who, well, I, I, I guess I was trying to Absolutely. differentiate from what can we I, see as in danger and what the novella. Can I like Please, thread yes. that needle? Okay. I actually agree with both of you because what I'm thinking of is this like film term where when there is music in the score <laughs> that is external to the actual action of the scene, that's called non-diegetic music. And when it's internal to the action in in the sense that like other characters could be hearing it. So, like, if if there's music in the score and it would be, like, a record playing that the characters in the movie could see, that's diegetic music, and non-diegetic music is, like, the music outside of the score. Okay, long, rambly intro. But the diegetic danger, I agree with Ellis, is to Fantamina because all of the physical, emotional, and social risk of having sex is taken on by the woman. I agree with Bryn in that the non-diegetic danger is taken on by the male reader or by men in the society that Eliza Haywood is critiquing because 
she essentially makes a fool of men in that she critiques their inconstancy and their like I'll stick my dick in anything and their uh, lack of observation and like the the for me the pleasure of reading Phantomina was in the fact that it was 30 pages of like look how dumb men are mm-hmm. <laughs> they're after sex and so it's a little bit of both in one sense it's like to fa- in the story Phantomina is the only one who takes any actual risk but outside of the story it's Haywood just being like men are so fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny and I mean she's also like trying to educate women because I think like there's that whole part where Fancy Mina is realizing like he is writing to her as one person um, and as another person and in one letter he's like oh I've been so true to you and I'm so sorry and blah 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 like I'm so sorry I've been out of town and I came back even earlier than expected just so I could see you because I miss you so much but then she knows while he was gone he was boning her other character yep. and <laughs> also he writes and like she receives a letter the same day to her other character about how he can't wait to see her. And so his first letter, he's like, also like, even though I'm back and I've missed you terribly, like I'm also busy tonight because I have to be at this thing that I don't even want to be at, but I'm so sorry. And it's the thing he has to be at is getting his dick wet by other Fantamina character. Like, and the thing is like, it's that is to me like the comedic peak of this novel because it is so fucking funny and the saddest thing but not the saddest thing the most hilarious thing is that that fucking hasn't changed no a bit no and she literally like she literally has that moment in it where she's like i would be really upset but it's like i'm not upset because i know i've played him and he has no idea so i can sit back and like take pleasure in that but she's like imagine all these other Mm -hmm. women who aren't doing what I'm doing, who are sitting there thinking this man is true to them and, like, believing what he's telling them, and I know the other side of it. So, like, basically she's like, don't fucking trust any men because they're all shady as fuck. And I'm like, yeah, they are. (laughs) (laughs) You are not wrong. can you speak a little bit more to that, like, the modernity of Eliza Haywood's critique? Yeah. Because to me, that was just, like, the best part of this manages to make something that, that potentially in the 18th century could be very simple, um, very complicated. So like in the 18th century, lots of men had mistresses and lots of men went down to see the ladies in the lower boxes over and over. And like, nobody said anything about it. Like in Betsy thoughtless, there's this like perfect husband who still sees women on the side. Um, but he's set up to be like an ideal husband. And that's a, another Haywood novel. There are lots of them. There are lots of them. These husbands do this in the 18th century over and over. But um, but this thing... Which would be fine just, as long as wives can also do that. In I'm some ways they it. can. We're like, yeah, I agree. Like, fine. As long as... As long as women can, as long as the wives can also see women on the side, I'm fine. It depends on your marriage, but I think that can be negotiated. Um, Or like just married, other married couples, maybe? Like, no danger there. Well, I feel like, you you know, in the 21st century now, like, we want to make it very uncomplicated. Like, Fantamina was definitely raped in her first Mm -hmm. sexual experience. She's definitely the most clever person in the book. 
throughout the novella. Like we want to make everything very black and white. We want to see good and bad. It's hard to see gray areas because I don't, I'm not sure we all want to see gray areas. I, I don't always want to see all the gray areas, but, but Haywood deliberately makes everything a gray area. Each, each main character kind of has their own moment, but Beau Plazier only has one moment where he really has to come to terms with this gray area. And it's, it's um, mm-hmm. at the end with, no, After he it's rapes at the her? end with Incognita. No, we at the end with Incognita when um, she won't reveal, Incognita is Fantomina's fourth disguise <laughs> and she won't reveal her face. She wears like a veil over her face, even during sex and then keeps it on until the curtains are down and it's dark in the room. And then she comes in and sleeps, but the curtains stay down. And so he never sees her face ever. And he says that he's, he's really mad um, because um, what woman who loved her man wouldn't tell him all the secrets and every woman he even thinks to himself <laughs> like every woman he's ever been with before has told him all the secrets of her heart because she's been in love with him now <laughs> yes, yes she the three women before this were also <laughs> phantomina so like it's all a lie but that's the first time he ever like truly comes face to face with his own gray area and then <laughs> literally the only honest one was really yeah. incognita yes my favorite thing about this book i will say i, I can't just like hand girl on haywood for a second okay she her writing is yes. so yes. clever it's so it's so smart and it's so funny and it uses dramatic irony and like the that you know how like people can say things and the joke is between the lines it's like the thing that is mm-hmm. unsaid is what stings she does that so well nearly every page extremely nearly every page it's she just knows what she's doing with words so well and the dramatic irony that runs through this like 30 page little thing mm, so beautiful like you could teach a class but fangirling about Haywood. <laughs> oh, the brandy has but gotten I, to us. Okay, everybody, the brandy. I'm sorry. The brandy. So the the part that I was going to fangirl about Haywood about is uh, oh wait, yes. that wasn't no no that was part of it that was part of it no my favorite it was part of it but like but what my actual point was. This is a takedown. I guess that's what I was trying to get at, right? Is that the the men who run around sleeping with women thinking that they're the most superior, they're the ones that end up actually in danger because their fuckboyness has been called out by the same woman over and over again. Like, she's so skilled. Like, not not them in the actual text, but, like, in real life fuckboys. Right, yeah, over and over. You are all stupid, pointless guys who will sleep with anything and you think you're so all smart women but tell me actually all their you're secrets because they all love me and it's they all love me so much so good. <laughs> i love i love the sustained takedown 30 whole pages way. i will say that that ellis's point about the actual character fantamina mm-hmm. being the only one who takes on any real risk is i think super important to recognize I just really want to focus on the fact that fuckboys are terrible and bad and Eliza Haywood makes fun of them. I, like, I completely agree with all that and I'm with you and I think it's funny and I laughed and it was great. But I also think 
this my new woman parts coming out because you know I like sure. be a new woman novel but like at the end of the day hurting someone's ego is not as as hurting someone the way that a woman can get hurt so I think like in the same way that it's showing like it's definitely taking down a lot of fuck boys in like one fell swoop which is enjoyable mm-hmm. um but it's also sort of this cautionary tale to women where it's like yeah in the end like you're always you're you are definitely smarter than this dude um and here's the one thing that you need to know to really be smarter than him is that like you can't fucking trust him and once you know that you can fucking play this game however at the end of the day the risk is high and no matter how smart you are it can still i just have like one little query yeah imagine if phantomina had access to birth control well, she basically talks about if she had had access yeah. to get an abortion, but she couldn't like she get had, out of her house because her mom came home. So she was like, if she had access to birth control, like if she had had reproductive rights insured, this bitch would have destroyed and I would have watched every second of Dude, it. Because you know collapsed. she would have got tired of Bo Pazier and then she'd be like, who's next, bitch? <laughs> oh. Line them up. But then I'm like, but then I'm like, at what point are like. I don't know because I'm torn because like as much as I'm all like fuck these dudes I'm also kind of like I want it to just like I just want to level the playing field but I don't want to be just as bad like I don't want to stoop to their level you know like I mean I in real life I get that but in fiction I want to stoop (laughs) Stoop all you want bitch (laughs) I want to like limbo that shit in fiction I love a bad girl Fair enough. In in the in the books. I love a bad girl in the books. Between the covers, you mean? <laughs> I like a lady in a the freak streets. between the pages. And a, a freak between the sheets of paper. <laughs> Excellent work, everybody. Extra credit to Haywood. I would say that part of what makes this book so good is exactly that tension between making fun of fuckboys and the fact that in real life for women at that time it didn't work like that's what you that exact um tension between us where it's like oh well this is actually like super making fun of men and on the other hand it's like a cautionary tale actually it can be both Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. what makes it so interesting yeah for sure and she's basically saying like you'll always be smarter like you can always be smarter and that's not hard, but you're also always going to be more at risk. Like, you'll always be fucked. Sometimes in the good way. Like, for multiple times, it was the good way. <laughs> Once it was not as good, but she still gets rewarded. That's my favorite part, is that she still gets rewarded. And I Even mean, like, when it was not as good, she just, like, fucking flipped her outfit and then got laid in another outfit. But, like, even in, the 20, even in the 21st century, isn't that where women live? Mm. Like, isn't that where we all are? Mm-hmm. Where, like... Yes, you're always going to be this badass, amazing, fully human, completely intelligent. You're like Fantamina or her peak when she's like juggling her four identities. And you're also Fantamina at the end. Like that's at this point in life, like we're we're both the fucker and the fucked like in the point in this point in history. And that's it's both what makes this book something that we can latch onto and enjoy so wholeheartedly and also it's fucking heartbreaking because nothing has gotten fucking better i'm with you 
so fucking hard with you. But also, while you were saying that, I started thinking about this, and I was like, this is like the precursor (laughs) to the Meredith Brooks song, I'm a Bitch, because... It's literally, if you think about it, every part that she plays is sort of a different part of who she is. Like, right? Like, she's the one mm-hmm. who wants to sort of explore herself. And at the time, like, her exploring your sexuality, her only option was to be mm-hmm. a lady who sells her favors. <laughs> and then when she goes to the country, like, the that she says, like, she's willing, she's able to play that part so well because she grew mm-hmm. up out there. So she knew like how that would go and how that would look because that's like part like even though she was raised differently like she's yeah, seen she it she actually gives a away a lot of details is. about herself and then even just like yeah mm-hmm. and then like when she plays the widow you could argue that like that's her realizing the death of this man because up until then she sort of always thought like maybe she could get him to want to be with the real her like there because she had always kept her real self safe but she's like by the time she's the widow she's realized like oh this is a guy who's always going to be looking so it's like this death of the person that she thought she could Mm. love and then incognita is the part of her that's like i'm just gonna fucking play this game like she's all of these things rolled into like one human the only way she can ever be any of them is to be them separately like she can never be all of them together oh, that... i went deep and i'm really sorry because it that is was... a funny book but like but that it was really good more than it says it's, on the surface it's funny it's funny because it's true yeah you but know? it hurts because it's true. okay <laughs> exactly <laughs> like all of it okay that description was so good and it also made me think of nowadays that phase in life of being a young woman like in college or university or just like whatever like in your er, like your yes 18 to 23 like when you're when you really break away from your parents from home where you can from home and you and you discover who you are and it's because of the way society is set up because of the patriarchy let's just call it the the, whatever the fucking thing it is because of the patriarchy because of all of the the dangers and because of like literally all of the intersections that we have to face every day Mm -hmm. you're discovering who you are Mm -hmm. but that experience of discovery is extremely fragmented yes and it's it's like an exciting powerful time in your life yes but it's also a moment where you're confronted with the fact that the world is set up so that you're not allowed to put all of those pieces together. Okay, yes, and also, can we talk about this part of it, which is that she's a fucking rich white lady, and, like, none of these things would have been possible, none of these games, not that she wouldn't have been smart enough to pull it off, but there was no way that she would have had the access to pull this off if she had not been a fucking rich white lady. It's actually really (laughs) prescient that you're talking about young people discovering who they are and undergraduates, because I find that one of the most helpful ways for undergraduates to start to pick Pantomina apart and figure out what it's all about is um, on page 45, she says that she is able to do all of this without running any risk, either of her virtue or reputation. Um, And um, this semester we read Mm -hmm. a later Mm. 18th century novel first. um, And I think that most later 18th century novels, this is another broad sweeping generalization that I'm not in any way qualified Mm. to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. Do not separate. Girl, this is our podcast. I said what I said. I said what I said. (laughs) Qualified Um, fucking business. (laughs) 
I you believe, I believe that later 18th century novels <laughs> don't really separate virtue and reputation, that virtue and reputation are linked and you can't, you can't pull them apart like a Mariah Edgeworth or like a Jane mm. Austen, that reputation is virtue and virtue is, um, at least in some part, all like reputation. Um, but Haywood pulls the two apart right. and, um, this unnamed lady, mm-hmm. actual lady, her title is lady, such a one, they don't give her name. Um, is able to maintain her public reputation while she has lost her private mm-hmm. chastity, um, which in this case is called virtue. Um, mm-hmm. So she has separated reputation and virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually really interesting to see like students' faces as they try to pull those two apart, especially after reading like a later 18th century mm-hmm. novel where those two are the same thing. Um, because I, I think that's one valuable way into trying to discover the gray area of a Haywood novel um, or novella in this case is to try right. and figure out what it is that, that Haywood's trying to separate or make gray on purpose instead of our 21st century, like, must be right, must be yes. wrong blanket statement. Okay, so actually, Ellis and I were talking a little bit earlier about, like, interesting pairings of texts in um, – in classes, right? Because we're all instructors on at the university level, and it's super great. <laughs> our side the one that actually buys us drinks. Our side hustle is teaching literature. <laughs> our side hustle is shaping uh, the minds of youth. You're welcome, world. But oh my god, imagine pairing up. Imagine pairing Fantamina and having that exact discussion about the difference between reputation and virtue with Easy A. That would be a, awesome. Oh, the movie. For sure. But I think you could that do would be it, so I good on multiple levels because like really this idea was like super mm. prevalent in the Middle Ages where like because they had like the three tiers right and if you broke any one of or the like it was like the the tri triad right and if you broke one thing you mm-hmm. broke all of them so like for women mm-hmm. like silence chastity virtue um and obedience so basically like don't exist right right but like if you broke silence is they thought like if you broke silence that automatically meant you weren't obedient and that automatically meant you were scandalous like you were on chase yeah and so it was like no matter which one you broke you were breaking all three and so to say that then later we get haywood who's like yeah fuck all that and let's think about it differently and then it it goes back to this other thing like she's kind of like a person doing something in a time where it's not even like everyone was doing that at the time like she's breaking a cycle in the middle of a a continuous oh my god yes and the thing is the thing that gets me is that young women experiencing their sexuality for the first time so many of the rules and the tropes and the taboos that this character fantamina is navigating are the Mm -hmm. exact same completely unchanged rules and taboos because i'm thinking of like for as as much as we like to think of ourselves as very different from them from society in the 19th century the idea that, like, reputation and virtue are two different things is something mm-hmm. that I feel like every high schooler yeah. would 100% relate mm-hmm. to. Um, that idea of constancy versus inconstancy of, 
like what even is your real identity if you have to fit these different molds that like Fantamina plays these four different roles we don't even know her real name we don't know her real identity but isn't that what like fucking going through high school and college is like you like you you fit these different molds of life and and that's how you very much begin to understand who you Mm -hmm. are but tying that with sexuality for women is so fraught that is the very first thing that undergraduates want to talk about when they walk in they're like why is this so relatable why (laughs) why is that have things not changed in two to three hundred years like why is this Alright, all of this discussion of um, fucking fuckboys brings us to segment three, Ride or Die, which we, that's the new name that we are using for segment three. Instead of character analysis, but make it fashion, Mm -hmm. we've decided to call it Ride or Die, and we're going to evaluate everyone on whether or not we decide they're a ride or a die. In this case... Where we want to ride And as the person who (laughs) most... Mostly I want to ride. In this case, Fantamina did the riding. In this case, I would like um, to But we would like for Beau Plazier to do the dying. And my question to you is, could Beau Plazier be any more generic? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. You would have to change zero things about this dude to make him, uh, so he's an 18th century fuckboy, and you would have to change zero things to make him a 19th century Mm -hmm. fuckboy, a 20th century Mm -hmm. fuckboy, a 21st century (laughs) fuckboy. Like a 15th century fuckboy, like the modes of like like, transportation and communication change, and that is all. My spouse calls him. My spouse calls him Brad and Chess. (laughs) He's a Brad and Chess. Oh my god, he is an absolute Brad and Chad. Like (laughs) fucking kid. Like it. There's nothing. There's nothing to Bobozier other than the fact that he's like supposedly Supposedly. to is. Well, because even even his name though sure. is like if you translate it, it, it makes him so generic. It's, yeah, like, like good pleasure. Yeah. It's isn't it like beautiful <laughs> yeah, pleasure yeah. or something? Like yeah, that? good pleasure. Like he's just that guy that's all about. He's about seeking out good pleasure, and that's it. And then he's also only has to he's, offer some good pleasure, and that's it. Like he has yeah, nothing else to offer. That's it. <laughs> Zero personality, zero intelligence, zero like there's nothing besides the fact that like the sex is good good. And all she has to say to him to like get him under her spell when she does the incognita thing is like (laughs) you're so smart and wonderful that women Are you saying wait wait like literally So she sends him a letter like she's at a toga party (laughs) and she's like You're so great, I love you. Do you wanna have sex? And he's like, sure. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, he you're literally so doesn't hot. even know what so she looks smart. like or Let's do it. He's like, yeah, be there in ten. Like, <laughs> and, and the best part she sends him a you up text and it, he doesn't even know who it who he's like, I don't have this do number it. stored, but sure, what's your addy? <laughs> oh my god, that's the most accurate fucking description of that letter text, that I've ever text heard in me my your location, life. girl. <laughs> You I'm ordering my Uber as we speak. <laughs> that's I'm the most real that's the most that real description true. of Bobozier I've ever heard. Oh my god. That's the most <laughs> He's like new phone I, this, no, oh my god. what's your digits? <laughs> it's so good. Uh 
And the best part of that scene in the actual uh, book in Fantamina is that mm-hmm. she a hundred percent knows what she's doing. She's yes. like, if I just and then she does it, and he does. Smart, he'll do whatever I say. It's so true. He's not even that exciting. It's so, or good. It's so good. And even when she, even when she does this like analysis, which I think is so like so true, where she's like. I knew when he started losing interest as Fantamina that if I threw a fit or cried or tried to show him, like, oh, I really care about you and this hurts, that he would see her, like, it would make her even less attracted attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, she was like, I can't show him that it hurts. And it doesn't really <laughs> because I'll just be someone else and it'll be fine. So she's, like, figured out the loophole. But she recognizes that in showing mm-hmm. him that she cares about him it will just even further diminish her in his eyes so she's like i can't do that and i'm like you are like mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yes he's such he's such a piece of wonder bread uh, like toasted like but like toast. barely like it doesn't even kill it's gross like toast. <laughs> it's it's oh my god he's gross toast Ooh, gross we're we're done with Philippa's ear because he's like yeah. literally the most fucking basic okay. and we have nothing more yeah, to say. We're about done him. with him because we can't actually be done with the hymns of real life because they exist everywhere. But we are done with him in this fucking book. <laughs> yes. I mean can I just say yes. one more thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that oh, one more thing is boy Boy bye. bye. All right, everybody. All right, hot okay. takes. I thought I don't have a game of fuck Mary kill because there's only Bubba's here and he can be fucked yes. and killed. But I thought maybe we could talk about the ending <laughs> and do a hot take. Which which ending you think it is? Okay, so it says at the end, right, that she goes to a monastery mm. in France. I love it. Now let's do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The monastery. There aren't any monasteries in the UK at this time because England is trying very hard to be decidedly not Catholic mm-hmm. at this time. Because there aren't any in the UK. Monasteries are seen as uh, highly mm-hmm. unknown spaces. And when you put a bunch of, in this case, women in mm-hmm. unknown spaces, the mm-hmm. imagination tends to wander and make things up, right? Okay, so that's part of the reason, like, the, yeah, the Shakespeare line Mine gets sure does. nunnery. It's I was like going to say, get these two nunnery Because Hamlet. nunneries could, not all of them, not all of them, but occasionally you might stumble upon Be one brothels. that was also a brothel. Um, or at least was rumored in literature to be so. And in this one, the abbess yes. is a particular mm-hmm. friend of Fantamina's mother. So there are two, I mean, there's a, like a whole range of interpretations, but. Gaysta! <laughs> Gaysta, yeah, yeah, Gaysta. Did you just gay stuff? Mine is the gay no, one. No, I was actually going to ask. Yeah, mine wait, is the gay wait, one. Wait, y'all are jumping the, the gun here. Y'all are jumping the gun. Going to have okay. From here until the end of eternity. Do you think, do you think, Fantomino was actually semi punished and sent what? out of England to go to a monastery and live a quiet life? Or was she sent to a monastery so that she could nudge, nudge, wink, wink, maybe continue some of her hijinks in a in a supervised location in France. Okay, can I can I say a thing real quick? Because I legit reread this ending like a bunch of times and you know I'm not like at all 18th century and like I know both of you <laughs> like dabble, but like I'm well, one of you that doesn't dabble it is your deal. But like the other of you is like it Listen, I dabble in all the <laughs> <you> centuries. <laughs> I'm going to say you... Much like I do with all the genders. You overlap. I'll overlap you. And all of them delightful. But... 
But one of you lives there and the other one just visits. But I will say that as someone who doesn't ever venture toward 18th century, especially early 18th century, I was struggling with figuring out because it says she sent her daughter, blah, 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 like when she was like when it was deemed safe or whatever. And so I was like, is that the daughter she gave birth to that gets sent to be raised there? Because she can't keep her and still be respectable. Like, she has to keep it a secret that she gave birth out of wedlock. And so I was confused as, like, is it Fantamina or is it the daughter she gave birth to from Beau Plaisir? Either way, I feel like whoever goes to the fucking nunnery gets a happy ending. Girl. I think most people interpret that as being about Fantamina. That she's sent off to the monastery. What if they're both sent? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Because <gasps> then it's like, you don't have to be separated from your fallen woman mother because maybe she's just fucking god human and doesn't mean she can't raise you with love like what if they both like what if they both to the get to go live in a nunnery Girl. that's the <laughs> dream we should that's all go to a nunnery dream. but like the good kind <laughs> yeah. Rin, what is your take on the i know that like in final it grades not, right the bonus hot take goes last but this is not final grades it's it is bonus not. hot takes it's it bonus, bonus hot takes, takes. Um, I actually think Fantamina, but I think is like a like a tongue tongue in cheek, like funny. She gets to potentially continue her scandalous mm-hmm. ways in France, ending because um, I think that's more of Haywood's making things complicated that perhaps we didn't know were complicated or didn't want to see as complicated. Because so first, mm-hmm. like it's all gray area. Fantamina gets you can't almost do this almost simply. rewarded not. Not like the late 18th century Jane Austen sense where, like, everybody, you get money in marriage if you're rewarded and, like, an elopement or no husband if you're punished, right? But the Aunt Amina gets to go to France and the kid is taken mm-hmm. care of by her mother um, and Beau Plaisir fucks right off and she doesn't have to marry him. The best part of this whole fucking book is when uh, Beau Plaisir's like, I will take this daughter child that i have <laughs> yes and both yes. fantamina and her mom are like but yeah because you know. he doesn't he's not even gonna keep her he was like <laughs> i'll displace her or whatever the fuck i forget the exact wording but he was like I know. and i love i'll like, take her and basically get fucking so rid of this that... bitch and i and they were like um the fuck you will like, no <laughs> yep they yep. were like uh, no what do y'all think please vote accordingly hot take quick that's not okay, quick. Wait. Quick votes. Hot takes, team. All right. I thought um, it was Ellis. about her daughter. So originally I was really fucking pissed at the ending because sure. I will say I was like, I read it and I kept thinking like, well, they sent her daughter to the nunnery and then they like, she just had to fucking face up and I didn't like it. But if I, if I get to choose my own adventure on this situation, which yeah. I feel like I'm goddamn entitled to do, yeah. then that changes things a little bit. And I think that they both go to the fucking nunnery and they both get to do whatever the fuck they want. And she gets to be raised by a woman who is schooled in the ways of life, saves her daughter from the heartache. That's what I think. And then I like it better. So that's my choose my adventure. I chose it. Excellent. Okay. My hot take is that I agree with both of you. And that is that, uh, Fantamina and her newborn daughter both go to a nunnery and grow up in this idyllic lesbian commune experience and they get to explore their sexuality with or without men's can you please and... write us a sequel that's all i'm asking oh my god absolutely 
Oh my, oh god, my you guys, gosh. Write me a fanfic fucking sequel and I will make t shirts that say the fanfic was better and it will be a thing. Final grades. Okay. Should, should we give these books? We some should final definitely grades do that, y'all? please. Yes. Final grades. Definitely. <laughs> okay. I'm All right. <laughs> no. It's the name of the game. That's new information. Oh. The best part of PH Drunk is that we start drunk and we get drunker. It's our next segment. It's final grades. It's my choice. So I will go last. Y'all tell me what you think of it. Chris. All right. Okay. So I will give this book an A. um, But like, not like a 97, more like a 94. Um, uh, Because the only reason I'm not giving it like 100% is because there wasn't enough to sink your teeth into, enough, like, character development, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just really loved the fuck the fuck boy kind of mentality of it, and I loved the humor. I think that Eliza Haywood is one of the funniest authors I have read in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I find her... I find her wit... And I find her use of language exceptionally humorous. So I went back and forth on this, and I originally started in one place because I read the ending as it was the daughter that went to the nunnery, and then we talked about like how it was like different readings of it, which I still maintain is very mm-hmm. unclear if it's the daughter mm-hmm. or if it's it her, is. which I kind of like that, I guess, in a weird way. And so because I get to decide what I fuck is like a choose-your-own-adventure ending, so I'm enjoying that because... Um, I if we will... have not, if we have not taught you anything, dear readers, is that all literature is, is a choose your own, own adventure. adventure. <laughs> um, ignore the parts you, you don't go. like and lean into the other ones. And like, also, this one doesn't give you any fucking clear evidence. So do what the fuck you want. Okay, so um, I will say, and listen. Dear readers, might not know this as much as y'all to do. I very rarely. Give my feminist stamp of approval to anything <laughs> except a new woman. Fair. <laughs> so I will say, I will say that this bitch gets it. Like feminist stamp of approval on Fancy Mina. She she does all of the things I love. She pokes fun at it. She recognizes the dangers. I feel like you could argue that she brings in classism in a way that you can't really ignore mm-hmm. without making it obvious in the same way that she does everything without making Especially it obvious. Especially with the Celia episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like that part is so good. Yes. Yep. Oh, yes. And the fact yep. that he loses interest in her faster than anyone else is like, like, no, she does it. And the fact that she constantly is drawing attention to the only way that mm-hmm. this is able to be this is sustainable endeavor by the lady that you know who can't be named is that she has all this money to throw away and so like Mm -hmm. she's doing the work before her time and um and it's funny and while the ending at first pissed me off i rethought it and then i was like oh i could do what i want with it 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 kind of gives me nine years of longing at the ending because i get to do what i want with it and so like i've changed my grade like literally <gasps> three times during the summer, and I now got an A minus, and that's high motherfucking that's really praise. Good. Bryn, 
Can you please tell us what your final grade for Fantamina? Fantamina. Um, and it's <laughs> definitely an A. What, I mean, he would get an A from novel. me any day. He <laughs> would get an A from me any day of the week. Of course. One day we're gonna I'm read shocked. Love in Excess. It's gonna be so great, you guys. Is there a lot of sex in it? Um, no, I... but it's got the biggest fuckboy of all time. So there's that. Many thanks to you all for listening and drinking with us today. We hope you enjoyed our totally made up cocktail. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at phdrunkpodcast. You can also go over onto our Patreon page, www.patreon slash phdrunkpodcast, and buy us a drink so that we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair. Or... If you are a tidy monster in the style of Chris, you could support us right through Anchor FM, uh, which is anchor.fm, FYI. Anchor is the foolproof platform we use to make this podcast a thing, even though we're technologically challenged. Join us next time to chat about Mary Barton by Elizabeth Gaskell. We're going to get so effing Marxist, you guys. That is it for us. Uh, Books down.